1: Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. What Mm. an episode. Listen, Mm. legendary.
3: How are you feeling about Fat Joe and his interview on Red Table Talk, Tracy?
1: I feel like... I could have listened to another hour of Fat Joe. Fat Joe, let me just tell you a storytelling king, Fat Joe. When I say (laughs) I was all in, he gave us like visualizations of things. The details, It was just so rich. And not just the storytelling, but what he shared. It was just good. All of it. He's a legend, first of all. Can we just say that? Fat Joe is a hip hop dang on legend. We're tipping our hat to you and giving you your flowers while you're here. And we appreciate you. Kyra, we have lost some people in the hip-hop world.
3: We have. Rest in peace, Take Take off. you know, that is new. Ooh, um, Pop Smoke. Nipsey, I mean, it's hard. So that's why I was. it's bittersweet to see him at the table, because I'm glad he's still a living legend in here. Right. But
1: on top of it, we just have so many that we lost at the same time. So we want to just say from our virtual red table to the family, friends, and fans of all those yes. who have been lost in the hip-hop world, Our sincere sympathy to you because we know that they mean a lot to us as artists, but we know they mean so much more to you as your family members and your friends. And so that part we just want to acknowledge that. And I think Fat Joe got an opportunity to say that when it came to Big Pun and with Mm -hmm. Notorious B.I.G. definitely indicated how much of an
3: impact they had on their lives and how he still is trending up the next generation. I mean, him discovering DJ Khaled was something I didn't know. Listen, he talked about so many things we didn't know. Right. Let's talk about some others. Right. DJ Khaled was a little mind-blowing for me. Maybe that just shows how much I don't pay attention to hip-hop
1: like I thought I did, but... Oh, you didn't know. I like that. I didn't know. Did not know. Had no clue. So, one of the things that I loved about his conversation, first of all, back in the day, when you saw Big Pun, you saw Fat Joe, right? It was like Terror Squad. It was a twofer, right? The Terror Squad, they were just... They were dominating back in the day. And Remy Ma loved her, too. Remy Ma, come on here. Yes. Please, thank you for acknowledging, yes. you know, the queen. We got to talk about Remy yes. Ma. Yes, I just appreciate the fact that he was like, I discovered DJ Khaled, and he's like a brother to me, and I'm so happy for him. And then he was like, but now DJ Khaled is doing, he's got way greater success, right? Right. And I was I so. I was your favorite God, right? Wait a minute, hold on. I thought, like, let's have a conversation here. And I love that he took it right beyond him having a spiritual connection, right? And mm-hmm, literally went mm-hmm. to DJ Khaled and was like, "Dude, I just had a conversation with God." And I love that he God said, is the greatest, right? Right. God is the greatest. God, God is, the greatest. is the greatest. And I, I was love it, like, DJ Khaled. Come on, DJ Khaled. But really, the anchor that they both have right. in their spirituality, right. because if you look at Fat Joe for everything that he's gone through, he didn't plan any of that. It was all divinely right. ordered. It's
3: so much stuff. It was a shot in front of his mom, left home at 14. Yeah. I mean, just smashing a bottle over somebody's Going head. Going
1: to prison, and how they put him in solitary confinement. That part. To keep him safe. And he was like, But Hold also
3: on. how he... Turned to the arts. He turned to the graffiti. He turned to the music. And he's still an authentic person,
1: even from the way he loves his wife to
3: the way he defended Ashanti. I mean, so many things. Okay,
1: so now we got to talk about both of those cars. So let's take it in the order you said it. Yes. First of all, his wife is gorgeous. Yes. But there was one particular moment when he started talking and it was truly like being at someone's holiday table the yes. red table turned into like the cookout table where he was talking <laughs> yes. and Willow was like, Oh my I don't want to hear Willow was like she had the <laughs> right. cringe, like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to hear adults talking about other adults and their body right. parts. And he was like, Can I just be honest here? And I love he shook Willow's arm and her shoulder. He was like, <laughs> It was her ass. It was a fat ass. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, uh,
0: I do I want to hear that. This?
3: I love Willow's that.
1: Willow stands her ground, but baby, she was not she ready for that. She crumbled like <laughs> it was Uncle Fat Joe, like it was Uncle Joey at the table. and She was like, I do that not want to hear this. I absolutely loved seeing Willow in that position. It heart. was sweet to see like they were family. Right. And like she right. was a kid, even though I know she's an mm-hmm. adult, it was sweet. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you, the way he stood up for Shanti. Oh yeah, hm. necessary.
3: But even him telling the story about how he stood up for his wife first, yes. he has an authentic connection with women, right? And he said it said though. It, he said yeah. that we are powerful. Yeah. He loves us. Yeah. Shout out to you, Fat Joe. Yeah. We um, love you standing back. up for your wife against her ex and standing up for Ashanti in the middle of the interview mm-hmm. controversy. Even when he said how Irv Gotti's face changed when he was telling him this is my sister, but it's so many people out here who lie and they be fairy telling us, y'all heard. Come that on here now, your made up
1: word,
3: <laughs> y'all be lying to us, and we people just don't believe. Oh, there are some people who actually still respect right. women. Yes, they do, and he
1: meant it. Like that's his sister. Yes, yes. and he loves her and protected her, and I'm grateful right. that he stood up and spoke the truth about that and called Irv Gotti out. But it was about Ashanti. And can you imagine how seen affirmed, and loved Ashanti felt in that moment? That part... Listen, somebody said Ashanti
3: might be at the table soon. Come on here, because we, we, we can't wait. We can't wait. We're going to have to see. I cannot
1: wait. Love her. No, this was a great episode. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful he came to the table. And I'm going to tell you something else. It was nice to have someone who still had trauma, who still mm-hmm. went through heartache, yes. but the way that he shares it, there was still that so much part. light in it. Yes, and I think for yes. this season it was necessary to be able to have a moment where we could breathe, <laughs> see, right? Finally and just a be able good to laugh.
3: positive episode. <laughs> yeah. Not that the others aren't positive and informative, but this was a nice lighthearted episode. I'm excited about his memoir and yes. I'm excited about just what's next. Now it's time to share what our online Red Table Talk community has to say about this episode. Amy Perry said so amazing I love to hear his stories and his way of telling us is so captivating. I said he was a storyteller. Mm, mm, And mm. I'd seal the table and
1: save it. Don't ever Mm. touch that table again. I added that last part in. I love that. I agree with you, Amy. (laughs) I do too, Amy. I'm with you. And we are happy to also hear from Leslie Shade. Leslie said, this was really an amazing interview. I'm so glad Fat Joe decided to let his hair down and allow fans and everyone to see the man he has become. Appreciate these RTTs. Great interview. It really was great. Great interview. Yes. I wish yes. they had done a part two with him. He was uh, you know, fantastic. he could come on back. I love it. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. And last but not least, Tiffany Spencer Gertz said, I met Fat Joe about 15 years ago at a teeny hole in the wall Italian restaurant in Little Italy in New York City. He was with his crew, but was super cool and took a picture with me. Seemed like a humble guy. You know, I love a, a good story. I love a good behind the scenes. I totally see him <laughs> right, being like, same. yeah, come
1: on, get in this picture. Come right. On. You know, I totally see him uh. doing that. Oh, I love that. I mean, you can feel his genuine humbleness. Yes, from him being at the table and just Absolutely. the way how he loves women in his life, and you know how he talked about his daughter and his yes. wife and his mom. I mean, he's just—I really like Fat Joe. Same. Thank you guys for sharing your fantastic comments for us on the Red Tabletop community. Keep them coming. We love hearing from you. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by our incredible guest.
3: I'm super excited to welcome Radio Blitz or just Radio B to the virtual red table. He is a friend, MC, songwriter, platform builder, fashion designer. And so much more right here from my hometown of Richmond, Virginia. Radio B is joining us because he is a rap artist like Fat Joe, and he's going to share why he calls Fat Joe a pioneer. So, welcome to Less Red Table That
1: Radio B. Welcome.
3: Yes. Thanks,
4: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, not a problem. I can't wait to get into this one. Super excited. Like you had the one, like one of the best bios ever, Radio B. Right. <laughs> she had to take a good <laughs> long you. breath to get all that out. That's fantastic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. love that. This is a part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause, rewind, and listen again. It's time for Wait What? Wait What? I love what? our Wait What segment. It's one of my That's favorite segments part. in the show. We had a lot of good ones with Fat Joe. Fat we Joe did, was we bringing did. it to the doggone red table. But let's see. The first one, Fat Joe revealing his first nickname and the story behind how he got it. Okay, Okay. Joey
3: Crack. Where Mm -hmm. did that name come from? Joey Crack. the way I got Joey Crack was before the drug crack. When the teacher would ask me to go to the chalkboard and write something, I always had, like, sweats like I'm wearing out and the crack of my ass would (laughs) (laughs) show. And so the girls would be like, Oh, Joey Crack, Joey Crack. And it just stood my name. I had it. I made it my graffiti name, and then it turned into my rap name.
1: Okay, Joey Crack <laughs> had me rolling, y'all. Joey Crack. I ain't see that coming. Okay. I honestly would have never guessed that a kid would have been named Joey Crack unless he was selling crack, number one. That's where I was going Okay, with it, but I didn't realize. And I think everybody thought that, right? That it was like, okay, yeah, it's because you're selling crack. But it was because they saw the asset crack. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> Radio B,
3: listen, you have a nickname, Radio B. How do nicknames really play a part in hip-hop?
4: Nicknames, are, it's a part of our culture, just especially Black folk culture in general. Right. Just We good for a nickname, and when they stick or they don't stick, but the ones that stick, it doesn't really matter why you got it. It's I mean, there for life. You got it. You got you it. Got you it. Know, so.
1: And don't you find that the nicknames are usually somebody making fun oh, of? Oh,
4: yeah, for sure especially when it comes to family and family giving you a nickname. With him, I think that nickname had an evolved meaning over time, if you know anything about uh, Joe. But it's interesting that he had enough confidence to actually take what nickname came from someone joking on him and owning it. That was dope. I
1: think he was still owning it because I don't know if if y'all saw it, but he was still showing a little bit of the crack of his assets at the real (laughs) tape.
3: I missed that. He said it was in there. I didn't see that. I'm telling you, go back. I was like, okay,
1: Joey Crack, you still living up to this. I see.
3: There you go. Bless his heart. He's had a heck of a journey, though. I mean, he's told a lot of stories. This goes into our next Wait What. His story about standing up to his dad Mm. and leaving home at 14 because of it. One day, my father went to hit me. We was eating and I caught it. Mm. Boom. And then he went to kick me. I grabbed his legs. I had him, like, hanging upside down. So I was a big 14. So I tell him in
4: Spanish, you can't f- with me no more. You mm. can't f- with me no more.
3: Would this kind of experience have you leaving home at fourteen, or do you know anyone who's experienced that? Radio, I, that was kind of young for me to even think about. Bless his heart. I
4: can't say that that type of experience would have me leaving home. I can say that I've related to those types of experiences, and I can say that it can lead you to wanting to leave home. What I thought was interesting about that was he didn't leave home because he was forced to. You know right. what I mean? After that incident, it was more so like. The respect that he had for his father, you know what I'm saying, even right. amidst the circumstances as they were, was just like, you know, I've, I crossed the line and right. I'm embarrassed and I'm shamed by that. And I just need to, you know, that go part... my way for it.
3: Yeah, Right. This episode was super transparent. I oh, don't yeah. think I expected the story that he was giving, but when he did say he ran out and... Well, after he confronted his father, I've experienced that with my son. They buck up at you because they're trying to, they're in a moment of survival or I got to stand up for myself, but they're still kids and they're hurt. So I appreciated him being that transparent so we could hear
1: that. Absolutely. When he decided to leave home at 14, he started getting exposed to a whole nother world of things. That's how he found out that the world is cold and he... Ended up having the whole experience and really his nickname, Joey Crack, went from crack of the butt to crack something else, right? Right. Like he cracked that glass across that guy's head. It was a lot. And so it it made him it was a turning point for him. I think it was a really pivotal moment in his life when he left home because he had to fend for himself. He went from being a 14 year old child to, to being in the position where he had to become a man.
3: Radio, why do you think as far as young men who transition into music use situations like confronting their parents or even the story he told about his heart turning cold? I often thought about those parts in different men's life. Like, how does that truly impact you? Do a lot of men have a moment where they're like, this is it. I'm no more nice guy, right? Yeah, I mean,
4: the loss of innocence, I think, happens to humans across the board, right? Men, women, I think with men, because we have pride, we have ego, we're taught that we have to be able to be strong and defend ourselves and not to be weak. So it kind of puts you at these forks in the road where it's either I handle this way or I go another direction and go at my own. I think it's important to kind of consider what time period that was, and this is New York, and this is really the 80s, 80s, right? Like mm -hmm. the 80s. So people were growing up really fast. If you listen to any of the rap music from that time period, 80s, early 90s, you wouldn't believe Nas was like 8, 17, 18 years old, right? right? Just the way that he's telling his stories and what he's seeing and the knowledge and wisdom that he's applying to this. A lot of people were raising themselves during that time frame, So for him to feel the need to say, okay, I'm going to leave and go out on my own wasn't really foreign.
1: It wasn't. That part. I'm in that generation. I'm in the same generation with Fat Joe. He was born in 70. I was born in 71. All of us Gen Xers, for the most part, had some moment of being feral, right? Where we Mm. truly were in a position where we were raising ourselves, where we had to fend for ourselves. Not that we left home at 14 like Fat Joe did, but that we were left to our own devices. And so our level of maturity and survivalship, the loss of innocence, as you said, Radio B, was far more advanced and happened way earlier for us than generations Mm -hmm. after, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. because he... 14 was different then. And when we think of 14 now, it's like, you're just a baby. In the 70s, I remember being 14, 15. I had responsibilities, right? right I had stuff right, I had to right. do. And so right. 14 right. then and 14 now are very and clearly
4: important. he was a big guy, right? So that also plays a part psychologically for youth because you get treated already like you're older than what you are because you're bigger than everybody else, right? right. So I'm sure all of that played a part. I'm sure in his mind, if I have the strength to disarm my father that part then I yeah. must be strong enough to go it alone
1: face the if world if I felt the
4: need to tell my father what he could or couldn't do even if that meant you can't put your hands on me I'm of age to go and handle this by myself right go it alone right so, if
1: I can handle dad I can handle everything else another part of this wait what was yes, fat Joe it. graffitiing the red table after the credits oh my gosh I absolutely love legendary this.
4: What's going
2: on? He's going to do graffiti on the table.
1: He's going to do graffiti on the table. Yes. He really did make history at the red table like he said he would. He did. I want to know, do y'all think they're going to use that table going forward? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I liked it. I love it. And he signed it. I feel like they need to put some, some, what is it, poly or whatever? Epoxy? Thank you, that's it.
3: I feel like they're going to keep it as classic. They might have to buy another table. They got a few tables True. in the house.
1: They got a, a bigger
3: Depending table, smaller
1: yeah. table. So are we fanning out? Okay, Radio B. If you had a table that <laughs> Fat Joe had tagged,
4: yeah, I wouldn't do anything at it. I wouldn't have its own space.
1: Who else has Fat Joe's tags? <laughs> okay, so now Radio B. What did you think about this oh, episode? Oh, I loved
4: it. It was some some stories I had heard because he's had, like, a short doc. So I'm very familiar with Fat Joe's story. I was born in the Bronx, so I have a respect and love from now, that standpoint. My I parents, said... my family's from the Bronx, so... I did not yeah. know that. So I was... That's dope. So, yeah, I got love for Fat Joe. Yeah. I love
3: that. Why do you think he's a pioneer in the hip-hop world?
4: Um, Between him, Terror Squad, Punk. Yeah, it's just he was one of those few that kind of played the executive role and played the rap star mm, role. Right, but also, right. out of those guys, except for maybe Jay-Z and a few others, he could really rap. And I just think the way he approached a lot of things, just, there's only one fat Joe. And he always had a way of coming up with a hit still, to this day. Like, mm-hmm. he can still put a hit together. And, so Super it's, talented. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's the multifaceted talent yeah. for me. I mean, we saw his tagging skills. He was doing that back in school. But then, of course, transition to the music and like you say even that executive part of his life right like he's leaving a clear legacy in in several ways as a rap artist yourself Radio B what legacy do you hope to leave and I'm just gonna add this real quick before he answers Radio has a whole mural in Richmond, Virginia, okay? So I need y'all to know the legacy is already being laid, and I love that for him. But what do you want to truly leave on this? Man,
4: that's a layered question. I think just for the things that I do, and I guess my purpose and why I do it, is I really want to enrich and empower artists from here. I'm really a hip-hop hit, so that's one of the reasons I rock with Fat Joe so heavy is because... Throughout all of the hits and everything like that, like he's a hip hop head to the core, you know what I'm saying? Core, like Mm -hmm. he still cares about people that can really rap and just making sure like that element of hip hop is represented. And Mm -hmm. I do it for those people, I do it for lyricists, the people that really have something to say, really put Mm -hmm. craft into their lyrics. So for me, it's giving people opportunities that were not laid out for me when I was in that position, but Mm. also giving the ability to help develop artists in a way that keeps them pure to what's been important in the essence of rap, whether that's battle rap, whether that's Mm -hmm. just that MC aspect. I just really want to keep that alive. And so a lot of the things that I do are focused in that respect.
1: We talked a little bit radio be about what you do but how do you do what you do give us an example of how mm. you create the platform for the people that you're helping to lift as you climb
4: so i have two platforms right now which is southpaw three but southpaw battle coalition that started first in about 2015 2016 which is a battle league, if anyone's familiar with like Smack URL and seeing those types of battles, that's the Mm -hmm. format in which Southpaw takes place. And we've been able to really set some trends and make some impacts in and out of the city. And that led to me being able to figure out and facilitate my next platform which is rba rap elite which we just finished our fifth season it's a monthly event where we have 30 mcs that compete in a cypher which acts as a league really it's not like a one off situation we track statistics throughout the season and we have an mvp so we have a champion every month so we want people to get their songs off and and the music that they're working on. We want that to be presented properly. We want people to get their bars together and be focused on that and get that off. We want the producers to have a space to express themselves and to connect with the artists and, and hopefully build those relationships. So we do those things, but then we also have systems in place that make sure that the journalists and the podcasters and the people that cover from a media standpoint are plugged in.
1: So needed. We know that Fat Joe had an opportunity to discover fresh new talent, one of them being DJ Khaled, right? Yes. Right. That's phenomenal. And so you are in a position where you will discover your own DJ Khaled equipped. Yeah,
4: there's definitely the opportunity, and there's a bunch of incredibly talented artists that come through the platform and are doing some wonderful things. So I expect that there will be some great origin stories that will come from RVA Rap Elite. Mm-hmm. Khaled discovered an, an artist also from Richmond, Virginia, Red Rum. So
1: And see, um, it just yeah. continues. That's yeah. what I was talking about lifting as you climb, right? You that see the, that that is cyclical and in the way that Fat mm-hmm. Joe discovered DJ Khaled and then DJ Khaled discovered someone, Rev Rum will discover someone. And so it continues to pour back into the community, mm-hmm. which I love that because Absolutely. it dispels the myth that we don't work in community, that we are not connected and that we are siloed and selfish. And that is not true. And so I'm so grateful that you are demonstrating that not through one, but several platforms and organization structures that you have. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a more conversation with our fantastic guest, Radio B.
2: If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body. And I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the Body app and just follow along day by day.
1: You talked about words and making sure they get their words out and that the lyrics are good. So now we got to talk about that. But there's some lyricism <laughs> that's been on the hot table and then the Absolutely. hot seat. Come on, Carl, Absolutely. let's talk about it.
3: Let me tap into it. An aspect that has not been a positive about Fat Joe's legacy is his use of the N-word, which is, it's interesting. I can't wait to tap into this. He continues to defend it, and he's saying that he was raised with this term and he mm-hmm. means no disrespect. Mm-hmm. I, on this, I really think intention is a big uh-huh. factor so let's talk about it in a recent interview he said first of all my project is 90% I'll give you 80% black steel so I'm spanish I knew I was a latino but the whole time I mm. thought I was black anyway so my mom lives there 40 years before I was born in this project that I'm born blonde hair green eyes she brings me there the first thing is they go Oh, look at this little N-word Joey. (laughs) He got green eyes. The minute I'm walking, the guy's in the building like, yo, look at that little N-word Joe. Fat little Joe. (laughs) That's all I knew my whole life, even before elementary. It's a part of our culture in some degrees. I understand his intention and Uh where he's going with it. Radio, what's your take on this? How do you feel? I've been to Uh, a few events, so... (laughs)
4: I don't I don't view many questions as being hot seat questions for me, but this one I kind of do. And maybe because I'm from New York and because mm-hmm. I've known of Fat Joe and people like Fat Joe my whole life, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. questioned it nor had anything to say about it before. So for me to act like it's a problem now would be a little hypocritical. I mean, I guess I could say, oh, we unlearn things. Yeah, I haven't unlearned using the term myself. So I get that he is not Black, but, man, I don't... Like, Puerto Ricans, Puerto it's like Ricans the culture, they, black, right? they like the same thing. They the same thing. I mean, people could... They're Black. I know some people are going to be mad at me for saying that, but this, this is the same thing. You know what I mean? We... Uh, we, we we grew yeah. up in it. Grew up in like the, the same culture, projects yeah. Deal with the same racism. Right. Deal with the same cops. Get killed by the same cops. Right. Being in the part. same gangs. You know what I'm saying? The people that are doing the oppression make no distinction between. The they two. don't
1: distinguish it. That's that right. part. It's been white we and everyone else.
4: A lot of times you can't tell between a Puerto Rican kid and a light skinned kid, in and, and that same project. So that's right. why they didn't probably know if he was black or not. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? It's been plenty of like ambiguous looking. Oh goodness, kids. Yeah. I can't say it because some of them are puerto rican and black yeah some are you know what i'm saying Yeah, we part, don't know right. so i don't know i'm not here to say okay let me who your daddy who your mommy ha, right you know Tell right. Me whoever's mad lie. at me for that right whoever's who you mad at with? me this is yeah exactly <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not even mad at you about it because i really think that there's an assumption amongst the culture and then there's a perception that's given to others so we assume we're non-white that's all we know. Like, we're going to go ahead and rap about what's going on day to day, what is what. But the perception is you could be perpetuating that narrative to the other whites or no, okay, anyone Okay, so, let, not me, that. so now, that part, let me get that's in That's what here. I'm saying, I know what but that's what, I know, I know, I know that's, that's what people are assuming.
4: I think that's people that's that don't understand these, the culture. actually not in the environments. That yeah, part, they're not really in the environments. And they, they don't
1: understand the culture.
4: They're far so, removed.
1: Radio B and Kara here's my take on it. Okay. And listening to and seeing his words, right. Knowing if you, mm-hmm. especially like you say the Bronx, but it's any neighborhood. It's any hood. I'm going to use these words very distinguishedly. Okay. Long ago and far away. My father told me that nigger has no color. Okay. Anybody can be a nigger by definition of the word. Now, When someone in the neighborhood, in the way that they're talking about little Joe, if we read this again, and he said, Mm -hmm. I'm born blonde hair, green eyes, she brings me here. The first thing they say is, oh, look at this little nigga, Joey. He got green eyes. The minute I'm walking, the guys in the (sighs) building like, yo, look at that little nigga, Joe, little fat Joe. They're not saying, look at this little nigger. They saying, look at this little dude. It's an adjective. It's a descriptive word. And, and intention is important. Look at this guy. Look at this little man. They, they are says. using that word interchangeably. And for someone who, I do not use the N-I-G-G-E-R. And here's the I thing. will tell somebody, nigger if you don't shut your ass up. Let them know, Tracy. I don't know Tracy. See to my family, real talk,
3: real talk. That, it's it's a, it, listen. Cultural competence is important, but now if period. you
1: are literally white, don't come and say that to me.
4: Yeah, I don't care where I, cultural competence right, is and important, and I don't care where, what environment. So then, our the environment situation doesn't play. Did I
1: distinguish it?
4: Right. There's a there's there's yes, something distinct. If you white. I can't give you that past. I don't care where you grew we up. And at. here's that the word. thing. And you should know that. And if you white and you grew up in those environments, you should know that. You should have enough respect for the people you grew up around to know you're not supposed to be using that word. Oh,
1: absolutely. It only stings when I hear other people singing it that are not in the culture. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm, have mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. enough to censor yourself. Understood.
4: I mean, I know there's an argument there, too, there about... And, and I have a, a... I'm going through a...
3: What you going through, radio? How's it You been? know, there's is a... Is it just growth a, or... kind of
4: want to eliminate it. I, I get that. don't know how. I addressed this in a poem some years back, and but I was like... But I'm just, I'm in the same space. Yeah, I would like to. It hasn't happened yet. That is a conscious effort. It
1: is conscious. And if you're purposeful and mindful about that it part. and when you use it and where you use it and how you use it. And see, for me, I know the difference in what the intention is. The challenge is that there's so mm-hmm. few people now who sing songs with the word in it, they don't understand what they're really saying. And they think that they're just saying you're black. Mm, that part It's just a part of dialect for some,
4: Right. Yeah, my, my brother jokes often because he has to clean my music up. Yeah. And he says I use that word more than anybody. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wow.
3: <laughs> Not more than anybody. I mean, I, even as I grow, like in my 20s, the word was every other word for me. Really? Every other word. As I'm older, I don't necessarily need oh. it as often. I mean, but I understand it in a creative See, space. That's why I like Rap
1: Elite, though, and why I come to
3: those it, events. It's a,
4: it's a rhythm thing for me.
1: Okay, I got it.
4: Yeah, it just it's not part you.
1: of my regular vernacular. I can tell you that. I know right. how to use it, That's not part of my regular vernacular because so few people understand what it means when they hear you say it. And I'm sure the people on going will be like, "Oh, clutch the pearls." Did Tracy say it? Okay, did have I said it? Yes, I've said it. But listen, it.
3: do I use it? And is it in my complete playlist? Absolutely, absolutely. It's all over the playlist. But
1: it's interesting to me that this is such a topic because, like, even Jay Z and Oprah Winfrey had a huge debate about this, right? That it was literally one of their hot seat conversations where he was like, "I'm not trying to change it. I won't right. ever stop using it." Again, New York native was like, "It's part of who he is," and they they said it. It was what he heard. It was like it all in his whole entire life before elementary school. So. Good luck, Radio B.
4: Yeah, I, I used to stand on it a lot harder in a sense of, I remember you know, I've been in podcast with some folks, other folks, and yeah. had to, like, that be the discussion. I just, me personally, it's what I would stand on before. And I'm not going to say I don't stand on it now. I just don't feel it strongly about it. That is a word that we've taken ownership of and... You can't just use it. You know yeah. what I mean. Over there, you can't. Ju- you can't use it. And I, one of the things I said to them, I said, when we have ownership of more things, maybe we'll be able to release that word because it won't be like the only thing that Agreed. we have ownership of that you don't have ownership of, right? So
1: now let's talk a little bit about how the ownership of words and lyrics that are used in hip hop. There's this other long-standing debate, Mm. Radio B, about how hip-hop lyrics are used to describe women, if they're complimentary or degrading. Now, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Mm -hmm. So now... Who you uh, calling the... Come on, on, Queen 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 Latifah. Latifah. Now, how do you think lyricists can stay true to their experiences while also uplifting the people they're writing about?
4: I don't think the derogatory term for women needs to be used at all. I feel like that's something that once again, now I may use the N word in my music, but Mm -hmm. I also use it in my regular language, but I don't use the B word in my regular language to Mm -hmm. refer to women. So therefore I'm not gonna use it in my music either. So I think people do it because they say it in real life. And I think they also do it because it, they find it to be entertaining. Like, they feel like that's what people like to hear. That part. I just don't think it's... For yeah, a bar? You know, I, a I don't, don't think it's bar. necessary. I get that it's part of the culture. I just think it's disrespectful. So, I don't need that word. Well, I appreciate mm-hmm.
1: that. Because I'm going to tell you now, there's a line I draw. And I don't want to be called a, an mm-hmm. itch with a bee. I don't need to be called a garden tool. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of that in my life. I don't that need part. to sing about it. I don't want to hear
4: it. I grew up that listening part. to Snoop though, but it's, it doesn't it didn't influence me. So I mean, sing I've sang along to it. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? because if you listen to Doggy mm. Style, you. That's all it was back then. It was like super crazy. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think people use the H word too much anymore. I don't hear that in music as much. Okay, good. The word, not like how it was, right? Oh, yeah, because back in the
3: day. I I hear more specific actions, to be honest. I feel like they have just. Yeah, I feel like I've, I start hearing more. Spe- your girl going right, da, 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 right, da, da, right, right. It's a whole lot of that. Like it's it's gone to oh, another. Okay, I got you. Because I was gonna say
1: Houdini wrote a whole maybe. song about it. You up? You know you you rock three different after every show. Okay. Yeah, right. But but see,
3: now as I'm getting older, I have a different perspective. I actually saw a video before we came on about Lil Scrappy, and he was talking to his mom about how he was raised in a whorehouse. And I actually didn't even know about this part of his life, but he saw some negative things. And for the first time, I realized again, got those rose colored glasses on, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For the first time, I realized some of the things that rap artists may go through truly do impact their music in the way. I mean, not no that cap. I didn't yeah. think that before. What I'm saying is, to Radio B's point earlier, I thought some people were really just saying, Oh, you thought they were just making I up stuff. You just wanted the dollar. I mean, and there actually are people who do just make up stuff. But
1: I'm realizing more that it's really, truly a lot of just experiences. You mentioned Snoop Dogg earlier, Radio B. The whole idea that what they call gangster rap, Mm -hmm. that was them talking about what they had experienced in their life. Definitely get it. Shout out to N.W.A. I mean, just, you know. We had not heard that, right? They were literally just talking about what was going on in their day. I'm
3: a private school kid. Like, growing up, private school kid,
1: listening to rap. I'm just excited about the music and the culture and following my But brother. see, here's you know the issue. I mean? The problem didn't start while you were listening to it. It was when your white counterparts started listening to it. It became a problem. Mm. That's when Tipper Gore went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and all these censors had to come into play, right? See okay. that's it wasn't okay. a problem if they were influencing you and your kin and your neighborhood negatively to say okay we want to uh-huh. emulate what we hear. I do remember it that. Was when Buffy and Tipper heard it. Right and Tiny Tim too. Radio,
3: <laughs> do you think hip hop artists need to experience types of traumas and life and death situations like Fat Joe overcame to to write powerful lyrics? I feel like I know the answer to this, but how do you feel? I think
4: everybody deals with trauma, not nearly at the same level, not nearly.
3: That's key. Yeah,
4: not nearly to the same extent or frequency however, enough to express themselves in a way that conveys emotion. I think it's a matter of being able to tap in with those emotions and figure out how to communicate and convey them in a powerful way. So there's just all sorts of perspectives in life and in the world that need to be told that millions of people resonate with. So I don't think that you have to go through the extent of Joey cracks life in order to be able to tell a powerful story. Right. You just have to be able to understand your story enough to convey it in a way that people can feel it. I
1: love that. Can you also have a vivid enough imagination and still be authentic? In the storytelling, that you don't have to have lived it in order for it to be authentic. There's
4: plenty of people who do that.
1: That is accurate. But a lot of times they're called out, right? They're called out. We've we seen that.
4: Because it wasn't true. Yeah. It, it's, true, it's true for someone. Many times they are, and many times they aren't. Most times they we
1: are We're real PC Swiss, Switzerland right there at Radio B. You're like, some are, some aren't. I feel like radio sees a lot of it, right? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, there's plenty of people that are telling other people's stories. Mm-hmm. There's people that are on a block but ain't in the block.
1: Okay, so they see it but they they out the are, window, they're, right. they're around it but they're not in it. But right. that's okay. So even if even in that and regard. that's fine. Okay, as long okay. as they're
4: not saying, our I shot this person. I okay. did that. Okay. That's exactly that part. Tell your sure. truth. Because right? watching it, because you can get PTSD from watching that's it. Right. Absolutely.
3: Period. You know what
4: I mean? So that's still way closer than the person that's telling that story from the suburbs. They, they There's people <laughs> from the suburbs part. telling them same stories that they wasn't even in the window for. So
1: Okay. So that's what I'm talking about. If someone from the suburbs is telling the story, and making it a first-person experience, is it inauthentic for them to share that if it's something they envisioned or created? It
4: is inauthentic.
1: Hold on. Hold on. I
4: mean, it's inauthentic, but it's entertainment, and it's the entertainment business. So therefore, for all intents purposes, have at it. Just hip-hop is a little different, though. See, in this generation, Mm -hmm. it's like, why does... Everybody care if somebody helped write, or if somebody's telling a fake story, or this, yeah. that, and the other, because they're not understanding that hip hop was built off of the purity of these a truth experiences. Right, right, right. So it's a, there's a there's a real life street element to hip hop, even when it's not violent. Right? right, like it's about the people. So it's it was, and it's also. It was created by poor kids, right? Right, right. That needed a voice, right? That was the purpose of hip-hop, kids that could not afford instruments. Creating music from turntables and a microphone, right? right? So plugging into the light poles at the park and not being able to go into the clubs because how they dance, how they dress. You couldn't get in the clubs because they mm. was doing a disco. They was dressed up. So, like, where could you go to party? So, you go into the rec halls and you right. go into the parks to party because that's the place that you can come that as part. you are, dance you how you want to dance. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? So, it's that. I think people forget that. You know what I mean? But There's... do you
1: have to have that in order to be authentic now?
4: In order to be successful, Ooh. no. In order to be authentic. Authentic, I'm not saying that you have to be from you have to be poor, but you just gotta tell your story. Okay. You know that what I'm part. saying? And, you, and you say. lead think, to the
1: origins, like, okay. right? like
4: it's respect the origins at least. That and I part. think if you use those origins as pillars to your creativity, then you'll be authentic because you'll have mm. enough respect for it that you're not just pretending. <laughs>
1: So then, what's your message, Radio B? Because we're saying a lot about this, and I think that there's an opportunity here for you to communicate a message that you'd like to convey to the people outside of your immediate reach. What do you say to an artist that's up and coming that is not really sure? If they don't have the quote-unquote, poor kid or PTSD, trauma neighborhood.
4: What do you say? You don't need that. You don't need that. You just need to tell your story. Just really get to know yourself. And Mm. not only just your story, but your style. How mm. you present it, don't copy anybody else's style. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? This generation is way too comfortable with sharing their sauce, like they're way mm-hmm. too comfortable with sounding like the next Split guy it like all. exactly like the next yeah. guy. to the point where nobody's even nobody even questions that anymore. You know what I mean? So what like, do you
3: say to that? Or even trying? Stop mm. ha. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I love it. No, I love that though. I mean because the reality is we are evolving yeah. as a culture. So everyone's not as poor as yeah, we were back in the day, that. right? But like we also have our troubles and struggles.
4: Yeah. Tell, tell your, your story. story. I love like that. I said there's millions of people that can relate to any of that. That's hip hop, right? Like in hip hop, don't be a biter. That's one of the main rules of hip hop always has been. Like you used to could get beat up for that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. being a biter. But, like, being a biter now, it's not... The word doesn't even get circulated anymore. Like, right. you can literally just mm-hmm. do whatever. Like, this guy made a song like that. The other big star in the game could come out and make a song using his flow. Same type of words, same mm. beat, and everything. And everybody will still ride with that. It'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, this is good, too. And it's like, wait.
1: You think social media... <laughs> Contributes to that.
4: Yeah, social media does contribute to that because what it is like, at the very least, even if you didn't have the integrity to be unique in your own style, at least you had the style of where you were indigenous to because that's what you heard around Mm, you. Right Now, because of the internet, it's like everybody from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So there is no oh, this is the yeah. sound that comes from New York or this is the sound that right. comes from the West Coast or this is the sound that comes from right. the South. Like, everybody saying it.
3: you know it when you hear it. Nah, right. like, that everybody part, making... People from New York are just as influenced by Atlanta. Yeah, everybody doing influence. drill
4: or everybody doing this or that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's just a big... Melting yeah, pot. I,
3: you gotta find your own heartbeat, though. I feel that even in the middle of the Hot. melting pot. I don't
4: even like to call it a melting pot. Yeah. I just feel like no. everybody's hands in the pot. Like
3: right. that's oh, the it's just geez. a pot.
4: And it's a grab bag. Just, now. Yeah, it's a grab right. bag. That's what yeah. it is. A grab bag. Mm. Yeah.
3: This has been a heck of an what episode. what you talking
1: about. Oh my gosh.
3: And I, I wish we didn't have to end it, but we I gotta go. It. Radio B, I've enjoyed oh. talking to you so much. Oh, I appreciate right.
4: you. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all. Yes. Thank you for making me feel successful.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We're open to talk about any and everything with you. So please send in your questions at Let's Red Table, that at RedTableTalk.com. Or don't forget, you can also leave us a voicemail at SpeakPipe. Don't you want
1: to hear your voice on this
3: amazing podcast? <laughs> visit speakpipe.com slash let's Red table
1: that yes thank you so much for listening we are so happy to have you with us and make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts y'all rate us a 5 okay we want 5 mm-hmm. we'll be back next week for another episode of let's Red table that Special thanks to executive producers Jada Pinkett Smith, Fallon Jethro, and Ellen Rakuten. Thank you to our producer Kyla Kinearu and our associate producer Yolanda Chow. And
3: finally, thanks to our sound engineer Stephanie Aguilar. Hey, let's, let's red let's table that. Let's, hey, let's. Hey, let's
1: let's let's <laughs> red table that. Hey. <laughs>